0: Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. The Orthodox Easter, the Greek Orthodox Easter, is next week. But I want to... uh celebrate it this morning already and uh, on on Easter Sunday uh, somebody will say Christos anesti which means Christ has risen and everybody responds with alithos anesti alithos anesti so let me give that a go Christos anesti alithos anesti well done he's risen indeed Uh, On Friday, I shared about uh, the measure of God's love and uh, how we are to try and, uh, as Paul says, measure the immeasurable and to try and take in this love uh, that demonstrated uh, itself on uh, the cross of Calvary. Uh, This morning, I want to share with you uh, that... God is able. God is able. And, uh, you know, when, when they put Jesus on the cross, uh, you know, as one of the preachers said, uh, it was Friday. But Sunday is coming. And uh, Sunday is here. We know that uh, a lot has happened uh, in the last uh, seven days, as you can see in that next diagram uh, up on the screen. Uh, That we come here to to praise God, to worship him, uh, because the tomb is empty. But as we reflect uh, on the last seven days, uh, there's been a lot that has happened. Uh, As you can see, uh, one more slide there, uh, that uh, Jesus came in, uh, not on a white stallion wielding a sword, but he came in on a donkey, uh, and he came... uh, bearing an olive branch, a sign of peace. And he comes and uh, they put him on a cross uh, and he dies this cruel death, uh, the death that only criminals uh, deserved uh, at the time. But now he is risen. He is risen. And uh, it's interesting that, that Paul writes uh, this great doxology uh, at the end of uh, this uh, particular chapter in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, perhaps, in my opinion, one of the greatest doxologies in the Bible. And the word doxology comes from two Greek words, doxa, which means glory, and logos, the study, or, or the word about glory. And he gives this this word uh, about who Jesus Christ is and what God is able to do because of that. Dhoxa uh, meaning glory and also presence. Same Greek word there. The very presence of God allows us to glorify him. And the word glorify means to make him famous. And so Paul writes uh, and, and he explains to us what it means um, and, and he says that, that, you know, as you take in Christ, uh, as you take in the love of God, that love that is immeasurable. Uh, and, and Paul actually struggles uh, to explain this love. Uh, but he tries to give us, uh, through human words, what this love is. Uh, and he wants us to, to try and, and be filled with the measure and the fullness of of God's love that we read in chapter 3, verse 19. And, and it's hard for him to communicate it and, and for us to understand it, uh, even harder in English. But in the Greek, he really, really struggles. But, but he basically sums it up that God is able. And I want to focus on that. If this God is able to raise Jesus from the dead, how does that impact you and me On Easter Sunday in April 2023. How does that affect your life and affect my life? And so Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. First, just in the New International Version, I thought uh, I'll use the message, uh, you know, it's a paraphrase, so it sounds quite good too. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit, deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. What is Paul saying to you and to me? I think, firstly, that God is able to do the superabundant. And we read that in verse 20. Because he says that God is able to do much more than we could ever ask for or imagine. That word able, means he is capable. He is the one, he's the only one that has the power to be able to do what he wants to do. Because he is God. And what is he able to do? I wonder if you're sitting here this morning and you have a need, because it says here that God is able. If God is able to raise Jesus from the dead, is he not able to meet your need and my need this morning? Is he not able to, to fulfill what's going on uh, out of the longing of our heart? And so he writes to us, uh, and he, he, he's trying to explain um, in, in English uh, for us today, but in the Greek, he, he tries to, to explain uh, with words that, that uh, something that is inexplicable, if you like. And, and he says he says that God is able uh, to do um, uh, above." And, and the, the two words he uses, the one is "perisos," uh, which means "a lot." He's able to do much more. But he adds a little preposition, "hyper," "hyper," which means above that a lot. And so he's trying to explain to you and to me what God is able to do. And there's no adequate language that he's able to use to explain this. But he's saying that God can do beyond. He can do over. He can do more. Basically exceedingly, abundantly, Something that is superior, that only God can do. He's saying, I can uh, uh, reassure you that God can do that. And he speaks from absolute experience. Because uh, he was bad news, as Paul, as you all know. He was Saul, and he did these crazy things. Um, and, and Paul now, from personal experience, tries to explain to you and to me uh, through adjectives on what he's able to do. And that's possible because of this resurrection power that is available that raised Jesus from the dead. Because only God could do that. And so if only God can do that, I'm trying to fathom myself, what would I love God to do? If I look at some uh, hardened sinners, then I begin to uh, see what, what God is able to to do because you know you look at these people and and the message comes out that this person uh, repented and gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and you think my goodness is that possible is that possible no th- it must just be a rumor it is possible you know why because God is able can God heal. The city of Coburn, well, uh, just a couple of weeks ago we prayed, uh, you know, went from church to church and we prayed for the city of Coburn. Is God able to do it? Absolutely. That's why we go and we pray. Is, a, is God able to, to heal a nation? We're, uh, Australia, we're called post-Christian now. You know, there was 1st postmodernism post-modernism and, and then, or first modernism, then postmodernism. modernism Now we're a post-Christian nation. Is God able to do that? I believe absolutely, because God is able to do the super-abundant. He's able to do way more than we can ever think or imagine. Why? Because God is powerful. And so now you think of some people that uh, are able to, to be touched in their lives. Um, I've just finished reading a book. Um, please don't judge me on it. Uh, it's a book by um, oh, and, uh, oh, the, the, the person they describe is uh, what, Australia's worst woman criminal. Her name is Catherine Knight. And I won't go into too much detail because there are kids in our midst, But um, in February 2000 in, in a little town in New South Wales, she worked at the abattoir for many years. And she had these beautiful knives and she used them on her late husband. And uh, she's the only woman to go to prison for life. The only woman to go to prison for life. There is no parole. She'll never come out of prison. Catherine Knight is 68 years old now. And I'm thinking, God, are you able to save that lady? Who actually um, doesn't think that she did anything wrong. Are you able to save it? And while I was preparing this, I'm thinking, God, she's, she's too far gone. No, she's not. Because God is able. If God was able to raise Jesus from the dead, God is able to save Catherine White or Catherine Knight. He is able. If he is able to uh, do uh, what he has promised he can do, what a small thing it is for God to touch people's lives. might be sitting here this morning saying, well, that's a hopeless case. <laughs> that, that person, there is no way. God is able. He did it before and he will do it again. There are some people who, who write God off or who write other people off. Well, friends, that's not fair because God is able. And we often excuse it and we say, well, that's just the way it is and, and you know, um, you know let, let it just happen that way. No, uh, God is able because he's eternal. He's absolute. He's able. And, and that's why we pray. When we come and pray, that we believe that God is able to answer prayer. And so we need to be bold and courageous. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, name it claim it, and frame it. (laughs) I'm not talking about this pop psychology and, and, you know, this, this kind of junk that's going out there. No. As you line up with the plan and the purpose of God, you pray with that intention. And we need to be courageous. God, are you able to touch that wayward uncle, that wayward aunt, that wayward cousin, that wayward child, my wayward parent? God, are you able to touch that person? Yes. Why? Because God is able to do uh, the superabundant. If we raise Jesus from the dead, what a small thing it is for God to do. You and I, for us it's unattainable. But for God, what a small thing that is. We have our own concepts, our own understanding, our own limitations. But God is able uh, to do more than we can ever imagine. If I look at the life of Jesus coming, born of a virgin, living a a sinless life on earth, going to the cross, dying, God raising him from the dead, and we know that he promised to come back. Is God able to do that? I'd like to say yes with an exclamation mark. And with that in mind, why should I ever stop praying? Because God is able to do that. And that is the truth this morning. Secondly, God is busy with his activity in his people. Paul writes, uh, the second part of verse 20, that uh, now to him he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. That is at work within us. And so I ask, is God able to to work in your life and in my life? And it's easy to read Paul's marvelous statement about God's power. And it can still be very abstract and very remote uh, to you and to me. It can be far removed from our daily activities and our daily lives. But what Paul is saying right now, in April 2023... That God uh, can come and dwell, and His power can be experienced, His work can be experienced within us, within us. And and so you, you know, if you look at the very life of Paul, he was—he uh, says he was Jew of Jews, part of the Sanhedrin. He he was one who, in the Book of Acts, says that he went, and, and the Greek word that's used there, he sniffed out Christians. It's almost as if his nose was on the ground, sniffing out uh, the trail of Christians, uh, not to give them kind of a, a little copy of the Old Testament. No, to wipe them out. He hated Christianity. He hated the people of the way. His eyes were blind to the things of God. He loved Judaism. He followed Christians to wipe them out. Yet... God, who is able to do the superabundant, was able to touch him and change his life. And so God is a powerful God, and that can do the impossible. Who ever thought that Paul or Saul could change to Paul? We know that he could not change himself. But God is able to change him. So, no one could convince Paul that he was wrong. He felt he was doing the right thing. He was this very self-righteous person. uh, Came across in his own power. Until he came across the God who is able. Who made made Paul a new man? God. Uh, He he was touched by this immeasurable power. No wonder he can write it. And speak with with first-hand confidence. Uh, As a participant... In the power of God's work in his life. That God has touched him. And God has has moved him. And God is busy with his activity in Paul's life. And in your life and in my life. That God is working within us. In fact... Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 uh, Paul explains to, to the Ephesian church and, and he says to them That they were dead in their sins And, and he, he basically explains it very nice to them I mean I, I'd feel terrible if, if Paul wrote this to me And, and he says in verse 12 of, of Ephesians 2 Remember that at that time You were separate from Christ Wow, far from him Separ- Excluded from citizenship he says In Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, he says. Listen to those adjectives separate, excluded, foreigners, without hope, without God. In fact, those aren't adjectives, those are nouns. That was their position. That was their position. They were ex Christ, ex outside of Christ. And now he says they are in Christ, and Christ is working within them. So the very presence of God is within them. And only God can reveal that to somebody. Only God can can allow somebody's heart to be opened. Only God can take the lid off the pot, if you like, so you can see the awesomeness of who God is. And that's what Paul is speaking about. Some people are not convinced by God's word. And so he takes God himself to bring them to this realization for them to become followers. And once God is working within them, so they actually uh, are able to respond to him. But friends, there is no limit to this power of God because God is able... He was able to raise Jesus from the dead. He's able to do that even to the sinful and rebellious heart. And so Paul's point uh, that, that you and I need to take is that God continues to work within us. When we come to the realization, uh, we call that uh, justification in theology. You know, we were in the negative he made us in the positive. We were guilty, he made us Not guilty. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. From negative he put us in the positive. From guilty to not guilty. That's the power of God. And friends, God is able and there is no limit to the power of God. And so... He says in verse 20, his power that is at work within us. That word power, vinamis, in, in, in the Greek, uh, which means ability and strength. His ability and strength that is at work. The word work, the operative and effective. Some people are allowing that work to be a little bit dormant. But that work that is effective and operative in our lives And the word there, within us, is a little word in, in, in Greek, E-N, which means we were once aliens, excluded foreigners, X, now we were in. And folk, that word in means in a fixed position. We are now with Christ. God is able to raise Jesus from the dead, and he is able to allow his power to work within you and within me. This morning, there is a vacuum cleaner here. It looks good. It's Henry, our vacuum cleaner. Henry looks good. But unless Henry is plugged in, it won't work. And so, when Henry is plugged in, it's halfway there but unless Henry is plugged in and switched on it cannot work it looks good and there are many of us who are plugged in and we look good but we're not switched on if that makes sense pastor's crazy, he's going to vacuum the stage. (laughs) Get what I'm trying to say? God is busy, but he cannot allow that power to work within us unless we've switched on and plugged into him. A lot of us have come to faith in Christ, but we're not activating that power that raised Jesus from the dead and allowed that tomb to be empty, to operate within us. It's a fixed position. Once we were in the fixed position of being ex-Christ, now we are in the fixed position of being in Christ and that power that is at work in us. This morning, I challenge myself as I challenge you. Is there evidence of that in your life? Is there evidence of Christ living within our lives? Is there a (laughs) a desire to pray? Is there a desire to read God's word? Is there a desire... Okay. <laughs> is there a desire to meet with others who love Jesus as well and to have fellowship together? Is there that desire? God is busy with his activity in his people if they're switched on. That same God uh, that has that super abundant power, that same God is able to work Within you and within me. And so Paul is encouraging us to do this. So he's asking in confidence. And stating that God is able. Thirdly and finally. God is to receive all the fame. Verse 21 he says. uh, Finishes off this doxology. To him be glory. The word glory again. Doxa. To, to him be majesty, praise, splendor, and fame. You see, as I mentioned earlier, the word doxa means presence and also fame. When his presence is working within us, we turn and we give him fame. The more he is present within us, the more fame we can give him. The more glory we can give him, the more honor And where do we see that? Well, in the church. I think the church is is a miracle. Because uh, like the Ephesians, they were spiritually dead before, but now they're alive in Christ. You and I were spiritually dead before, but now we're sitting together on a Sunday morning celebrating the awesomeness of who Jesus Christ is. We're united, and that's a sign of the presence of Christ living within us. So what do we do? We give you glory, Lord, together. We sing praises. We sing songs and make his name famous. Why? Because that barrier between God and ourselves, that wall, has been broken down on the cross of Calvary. We celebrated that on Friday. That's why it's Good Friday, because that barrier was broken. We can enter in now, and we can celebrate together. There is that unity. Neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free. Woman, nor man. We're not segregated. We're united because of Jesus Christ and because of his power that is at work in us. And in chapter 4, verse 3 of Ephesians, Paul uh, urges the church to make every effort to keep the unity of the church. Why? Because God gets the glory. And, and he, he uses this word, uh, the bond of unity, this sin uh, desmos, which means we join together like ligaments. Like ligaments. This is joined together through ligaments, uh, covered by a lot of fat, but through ligaments, you know, it's joined together and we're connected to one another. Why? Because of who Jesus Christ is. Satan, we know, comes to do his best to, to cause disharmony and, and disagreement and, and, you know, uh, allows to clash over petty things. But because of who Jesus Christ is, we are blessed and we can celebrate that unity together. And we need to guard that unity as men and women of God. And as we see the church functioning, as each Part of the body does what it's supposed to do, so we're able to celebrate that unity because God is able to allow that to happen. Where have you seen so many different Christians come together and sing praises and make the name of Jesus famous together? Wow, that is a sign of God being able. You see, we also glorify God through Jesus Christ. When, when we allow that resurrection power to become effective in our lives. And the church is only at its best because of who Jesus Christ is. You know, as aliens, as foreigners, we come together from our different backgrounds and we're able to, to, to share this awesomeness of who Jesus Christ is. When we look at uh, the life of Jesus and his ministry, he always gave glory, fame back to the Father. And through him, we give glory and honor back to the Father because God is the one that is able to keep us together. And so there is a big difference between, again, being plugged in and being switched on. You see, to... To be switched on means that we know this resurrection power that is available in our lives. Now, folk, there are some who are going around and you know they're claiming Acts chapter one verse eight: "You shall receive," pow. you know, they say the the P letter even stronger: the, uh, the, you, know, "You shall receive power," you know, and they say it in that way, you know, "You shall receive." Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, the outcome of that is verse 9, You know where, where we see that we become witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery. Because when you're full of, of the wine, it, it takes control of you. But you know, the outcome of being filled with the Spirit is that we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so it doesn't help to just be plugged in and know what this says, but it's to put it into practice and give God the fame, the honor, and the glory. That very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we call it the resurrection power, is the same power that is available to you and to me. And for some, it's to perform miracles, for some, it's to do the extraordinary so God gets the glory. And for others, it's to live a life on a daily basis, a life that is pleasing to God, a life that is characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ, that gives him the fame because God is able to do so much more. Never think lightly of this resurrection power. Never think lightly of what Christ did on the cross, but also of that power that is available to you and to me today. I want to read you a story about a napkin. In that next picture there, there is a picture of a napkin. And I want to read you the story around it. It's a napkin, almost like a cloth, very similar to this one here. Listen to the story. Gospel of John chapter 20 verse 7 tells us that the napkin which was placed over the face of Jesus was not just thrown aside like the grave clothes. We're talking about in the tomb now. The Bible takes an entire verse to tell us that the napkin was neatly folded and was placed separate from the grave clothes. Early Sunday morning while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb. The other disciple outran Peter and got there first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Was that important? Absolutely. It is really significant, is it? Yes. In order to understand the significance of the folded napkin, you have to understand a little bit about Hebrew tradition of that day. The folded napkin had to do with the master and servant. And every Jewish boy knew this tradition. When the servant set the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way the master wanted it. That that napkin was exactly the way the master wanted it. The table was furnished perfectly. And then the servant would wait just out of sight until the master had finished eating. And the servant would not dare touch that table till the master was finished. Now, if the master were done eating, he would rise from the table, wipe his fingers, his mouth, clean his beard, and would wad up the napkin and toss it into the table. The servant would then know to clear the table. For if those days the wadded napkin meant, I'm done. I'm done. But if the master got up from the table and folded the napkin and laid it beside his plate, the servant would not dare touch the table because the folded napkin meant, I'm coming back. He is coming back. When Peter walked inside, he saw that napkin folded Exactly the way it was meant to be folded. It was not mixed up, like the rest of uh, the the wrappings. Why is that? Because Jesus is coming back. You know, He promised that He would come, and it happened. He said, "I will die," and it happened. He said I will resurrect, and it happened, but Jesus also said, I will be back. That napkin has not been tossed. in other words, it is not yet done. it is not yet done. Let me end off by rereading you that doxology it says God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. God is able. That power is available. As we give him honor and glory, that is a sign that we honor God and we know that he's able And until he comes again, until he comes again, until we have that final meal together, let us use the resurrected power that is available to you and to me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we don't live our lives in our own strength in our own might in our own power but only by your Holy Spirit thank you Lord for that resurrected power that raised Jesus from the dead Lord you you are able to do way more super abundantly more than we can ever imagine dwell within us Lord And be glorified, be made famous through this church, through our lives, and even to the ends of the earth. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.